Hey, Warriors! This Father's Day, we're teaming up with our friends over at Tricome to bring you great savings on great gifts for that great patriarch in your life. You can get 20% off your entire order at Tricome's shop by using code AOW20 at checkout. And guess what? Their Father's Day gift sets are already on sale. Get your dad one of Tricome's awesome retro trucker hats, one of their natural charcoal deodorants, and a bar of charcoal peppermint goat milk soap already priced at 10% off each item. Use code AOW20 and you can get this set for an additional 20% off the sale price, or just get him something else entirely. However you decide to honor your father, just remember to use code AOW20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. Visit tricomco.com and click shop now to get started. Happy Father's Day from Rachel, Rosie, and Turner. And as always, thanks for listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I am joined in the studio with Rosie. What's up, Rosie? Hey, what's up? And our favorite Rachel. What's up, Rachel? Rachel? The only no I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, start over. Rachel? Hold on, hold on. Uh, all right, let's do this one more time. Hey, I'm Turner. And time. welcome to All Out War. I'm Turner. And I'm joining the studio with Rosie, my friend. Hey Rosie, how are you doing? Hey, what's up? Great. Hey, and we're also joined by the magnificent, amazing Rachel. Rachel, Yay. how are you? How are you, Rachel? Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh We're God. joined by the amazing <laughs> Rachel. There we go. <laughs> sorry. She's so done with our... <laughs> She's so done. <laughs> She's like, by the way, this is my last time with you guys on the podcast. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> guys, the Clintons did it again. They yes. did it again. Did you hear? They killed another yeah, I one. Saw that. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yes. An apparent, apparent suicide. Apparent suicide. Now we're going to have to go back and edit the episode, the Clinton body count that we did mm-hmm. a couple years ago because they keep adding to the numbers. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't so sad, you know, it would be almost humorous. It's yeah. just crazy to me. Anyways, um, Rosie, what do you know, man? Hey, uh, did you know that a con man sold the Eiffel Tower <laughs> not once but almost twice really yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah all right so count quotes count <laughs> victor lustig was famous for being one of the most smoothest con men in history but his most impressive stunt was when he convinced six scrap metal dealers to bid on the eiffel tower the story goes that lustig uh, got the idea when he read an article about how the Eiffel Tower was rusting and the high cost of its maintenance and repairs. <laughs> Since the tower was only supposed to stand for 20 years, wow! Some Paris, there's an- another one. You go. Uh, so Parisians were saying it should be taken down entirely, not to miss an opportunity. Lustig devised Lustig Lustig uh, devised a plan to convince the city's biggest scrap metal dealers that the government that he was a government director charged with the discreet task of selling off the Eiffel Tower's scrap metal. Nice. He rented limousines and gave tours of the landmark and insinuated not only that this was a very hush-hush government business, but he could be bribed into accepting the winning bid. <laughs> One dealer was convinced and paid Lustig $20,000 in cash plus an additional 50000 to make sure his was the winning bid. Mm. Once he had the money, Lustig raced off to Austria to lay low while the story broke, but it never did since the dealer was too embarrassed to report Lustig's scam. (laughs) Lustig 
wow. later returned to Paris and gave it another try, but he was worried one of the scrap dealers had notified the police. He fled to the U.S. where he was ultimately caught. What year was that, did you say? I don't think I said it. Oh, okay. Um, the article... 1920? Something like that? <sighs> Hang on. Uh, 1935. <laughs> 1935. Uh, okay. Yeah, 35. That would make sense. But dude, $70,000 in 1935... No, I'm sorry. ...would have been that was, a lot of that's money. That's when he was arrested in... Um, the 30s. Let's 1930s. Yeah. Yeah. 70 grand is a lot of money in the 30s. Yeah. I mean, that was right after the Great Depression. It's probably like a million bucks. Yeah, it's probably a lot of money. That's cool. Man. Well... I did not know that. Thank you for enlightening me. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Uh, $1.2 million. Oh, cool. There you go. There you go. You were pretty wow. close. 1.2. There she is. There she is. There she is. Back. <laughs> so we have a great episode today. We're going to talk about the age of Aquarius and uh, what that means and how that connects with some of the things that we might be seeing going on in our culture today. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun. It's kind of cool. Um, I like to connect dots. I'm a dot connector kind of guy. Yes. So for me, I see it all working together. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But once you listen yeah. to this, maybe you'll see it too. And uh, anyways, so uh, let's get into it. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. That's right, warriors. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of All Out War. Hey, we have a wonderful guest with us tonight. She is a returning guest, and it's someone who I have just tremendous, tremendous respect for and appreciation for. Uh, you will recognize her as soon as we get into this, but if you listen to any of our previous episodes on the Enneagram, uh, our guest, Marsha Montenegro, was groundbreaking on this, but way back in 2014, she reminded me of this evening when we were talking. 2014, she was busting out truth on the Enneagram, and uh, we invited her onto the podcast tonight. We're going to talk about the topic of the age of Aquarius. Uh, I want to welcome once again, Marsha. Marsha, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Turner. Thank you so much for having me, and uh you, Rosie, and hello to Rachel there, <laughs> works behind the scenes. <laughs> um, I'm just so glad to be be your guest again. It's, it's just fun being with you guys. Oh, man. Well, since, you know, we were just chatting a few minutes ago before we hit record, and since we had you on, I know that the Enneagram has kind of blown up, and when we had you on, uh, we were. I just want to just kind of, kind of toot your horn there for a little bit. It really, it, it really ruffled some feathers and um i want to just kind of put this out there as well if you know someone that's in the enneagram go to her website it's christian answers for the new age we'll put the link in in the post in the uh, notes here notes section of the podcast you can click on that and um or listen to the episode with her we have two episodes part one and part two of the enneagram and she explains all of that so if you have someone that you know that is uh, involved or loves the Enneagram, just show it, to, just share it with them. I know um, I'm having conversations all the time with people, and I just really appreciated that. That was so much fun. Mm-hmm. But your background is perfect for what we're going to talk about tonight. Why don't you just open up for, for us and just share a little bit about your background and, and uh, before we jump into the topic? Okay, sure. Uh, well, I was 
involved in the New Age uh, for a good 20 years. And it, you know, it was started slowly. It isn't something usually you do overnight. And I actually had interest in high school and astrology and in other religions. And that carried on through college into Eastern religions, the supernatural, um, things like tarot cards and reading auras and all of that. And then when I got out of college, I spent more time exploring these areas that eventually led to me becoming a professional certified astrologer in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. And I, you know, was doing people's birth charts and giving them advice based on their birth charts. But I also was still following my new age interests. Um, I got involved in Tibetan Buddhism and then Zen Buddhism and for a number of years into the Zen Buddhist type of meditation and worldview. Um, but I mixed it in, you know, a little bit with Hindu views. It's still like, that's what the New Age is. It's where you, you draw from different sources and kind of blend them or mix them together. So I was doing that. And, you know, I had friends who were psychics and friends who were, of course, a lot of astrologer friends and friends who were witches, and I did charts for a lot of witches. And, you know, I well, my chiropractor was a witch, and she got me a lot of clients because she thought I was great, and she just told every all her clients about me. So, you know, she would give them my business card. Um, and so I was really into the New Age world there in Atlanta, Georgia, and then God intervened, and not overnight again, but slowly, you know, opened my eyes until um, it came to the point where I actually saw who Jesus really was while I was reading a passage in Matthew chapter 8. And that was when I put my life in, into Jesus' hands and trusted in him. And knew I really understood who he was for the first time at that point. And that was the moment I was born again. So then after that, of course, it was very, it was a very, it was very bizarre. I was sort of in limbo because I didn't really have any Christian friends. Hmm. And I was in this very, very liberal church where they couldn't understand why I gave astrology up. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a very, it was the whole thing. The whole thing, when I look back on it, it's kind of like the Twilight Zone or something. Um, and God, you know, God got me through it because I really didn't know what was going on. I mean, I was so brand new as a Christian that, it had, you know, it had to be the Lord who was guiding me <laughs> because there wasn't anybody else. But anyway, that, you know, finally that chapter moved on and I eventually um, moved from there with my son up to this area, Washington, D.C. area. And um, eventually found a, a good church, and I'm still a member of that church. So I pretty much joined that church as a fairly new believer and still a member of that church. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. to be. You're really blessed to be able to find a single church that you can be discipled in and stay at for a long period of time. Mm. That's a blessing. Yeah, yeah, I know. I realize that's unusual. And... Um, you know, there's some really good people. The, the man who was the pastor is not the main pastor anymore, but he was 
the pastor when I when I joined and for a long, long, long time. And I used to go and have talks with him because I was, had a lot of questions. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> I had all these questions every time I went to see him. But he was always giving me scripture, you know, and then the Holy Spirit would use that to convict me. Um, and uh, that really was powerful. That's and I made, you know, made friends. And then eventually, now, now I am in full-time ministry. I didn't say that. And I went, I went full-time in 1998. So I've been in full-time ministry for 23 years. Yeah. Uh, I say, when I say that, it makes me sound really old. <laughs> <laughs> that was, hey, oh, I was quite young when I started, but I really was. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I did some part-time ministry before that, but I was working full-time. I was a single mother, mm. and God, God worked all this out. I mean, it is amazing because I could not have engineered this myself. I can mm. tell you that, right? And I didn't even want to go full-time. I mean, the Lord worked on me for a year to get me to see that's what he wanted me to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my ministry is Christian Answers for the New Age, and my two main goals are to educate the church about the new age and the occult, I include the occult, and then so that they can be better equipped to witness to others and to be discerning for themselves. And the other goal is to reach out to people in the new age and the occult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've done that too. So, um, and by the way, just to let people know, I did the website, you mentioned my website. Thank you. I do have a, if you're on Facebook, I have a Facebook page called Christian Answers for the New Age. And I post things there on the New Age and the Occult. And you can follow, you know, like and or follow the page. And actually, even if you're not on Facebook, I've been told people can see my posts. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they're public. So that my page is public. That's my, my ministry page, not the personal. My personal page is kind of public too. Most of my posts are public. But um, the page I want people to know about is the Christian Answers for the New Age page. Mm -hmm. Great. So, well, very easy to find. We'll put we'll put links to uh, all of your contacts uh, in the show notes so people can connect with you, which we would we would encourage everyone to do. You have tremendous. Uh, there's it's just a library of articles on your website, and uh, it's like a blog, you know. So there's all these articles, and um, and it's just a great wealth of information. It's uh, I I treasure it, so I'm glad you put it up yeah. there. And so let's talk about the age of Aquarius because okay. I kind of. Um, Kind of, so what happened with me was, and the reason it piqued my interest was back in in the elect during the election time. Actually, in tw it was 2016 when Donald Trump just got elected as president, and Melania Trump came out for some kind of speech just following the election, and um, she was talking, and she came out to the song for the 1968 song, "The Age of Aquarius." You know, the famous. Oh, and, really? I didn't. Yeah. yeah, and so I, it. It just struck me as strange. Like, why would the first lady walk out to a song that's from 1968 that is yeah. got this all this weird connotation? It's she's got soul. She's got, <laughs> so, I, it's not really a soul song. That's just isn't so it like, weird. It's, isn't it an old Motown song? No, it's oh, like am I thinking of something else? Yeah, oh, sorry, it's not Motown. It, it, I think, uh, the Edge of Aquarius. And that's a fifth dimension, I think. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Well, it's part of the musical hair. Yes, yes. And oh. I, I, 
remember May if the Fifth Dimension did the song later or if they were part of the musical. I don't. I don't yeah. know. But I mean, it kind of. Yeah, it, it, it kind of has a Motown. I'm probably thinking of something else. Yeah. <laughs> Just disregard me. Okay. So <laughs> Age of Aquarius. Yeah. This is the docking of the Age of Aquarius. Yes. When the moon is in seventh house and something <laughs> like aligns with Mars and blah 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 then love will be in the air blah blah I can't remember all the words but the actual words to the song don't really make sense astrologically <laughs> okay they're just, apparently they're just written because they rhyme and they go with the rhythm of, of everything but <laughs> if you say when the moon is in the seventh house for example you have to be talking about a specific chart so are you talking about the chart of the United States are you talking about somebody's birth chart are you talking about the chart of the Empire State Building? You know, the, the seventh house is part of a astrological chart that has 12 houses, and it's um, specific to a certain time and place. So if you just say when the moon's in the seventh house, you know, your first question, if you know astrology, is the seventh house of what chart? <laughs> but they don't ever, that doesn't come up in the song. So right. that's why the song makes sense and Jupiter aligns with Mars actually Jupiter aligning with Mars isn't always good so I mean astrologically speaking I'm not giving any credence to astrology let me be very clear on that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am not saying this is really yeah, something really happens when Jupiter aligns with Mars but it just um, it's just I think they did lyrics that were catchy and used the names of planets and everything to make it sound astrological yeah well, there was in the in the '60s. There, there was just this surge of anything that it was like this revolting freedom hippie love, uh, yeah. And, and so, a lot of these um, new age uh, trends really took root in in the '60s uh, yeah. with the drug use and all that. But one of the things that was interesting to me was that because it key, I was keyed off of the song that was played when when millennia Trump came out and, um, and they, I think there was even like a news article that came on, like on Fox news or something. They were like kind of joking about it after that. And then, um, and then we started to see all of these things with, with the rise of the QAnon movement. And I don't know if you followed that much or not, but with the rise of the, yeah, I know a little bit about it, but yeah. So they kept talking about this great awakening that was going to happen. And, and so in my mind, you know, this whole Aquarius thing and the Great Awakening and, and this whole change of leadership, I think all of that was kind of working together in some spiritual capacity. And to the person that's uninitiated or the person that's undiscerning as a believer, they it would go right over their head. But mm -hmm. if you understand these things a little bit better, you realize there's actually some kind of undercurrent that's that's happening here. And, right. um, and so, and I still think it's in motion. I still think there's... There's this movement, mm -hmm. and I, you know, sadly, in a lot of podcasts like ours, where there's truth, we call them truthers. They're not necessarily evangelical in their Christianity, but maybe they're they're God friendly. I like to say um, they're not anti-Christ in particular, but they're just not little or o Orthodox Christians. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Weird, you know, they kind of start patching stuff together in their own faith, um, but a lot of people in the in that community are actually embracing the great awakening mm -hmm. they they're looking forward to this enlightenment this um <laughs> illuminated mm -hmm. which is ironic because a lot of them speak so badly and, and they they really um discredit the illuminated you know the 
Illuminati, if you will, um, in the Luciferian <laughs> kind of mindset. So they're kind of it's kind of like you don't have all the information. So I thought, hey man, it'd be great to have Marsha come on. Let's let her explain it from astrological terms what the age of Aquarius was, what it means, and then maybe we can actually piece together from that definition some of what we're seeing in our landscape today. And I just wanted to bring up again as well. I remember I bought this book. I don't. I think I started reading it a little bit. Um, this is if this has anything to do with it, but the you're touching on kind of I don't know maybe the history and popular culture of it with the song. But the 1980 book, The Aquarian Conspiracy. Oh, yeah. Does that have anything? Like, <laughs> I remember I bought that thinking it was a conspiracy book um, in the sense of like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to read about JFK or right. something yeah. like that. Um, some older one. I remember I bought it years ago, um, but I wanted to and I, I think I read through a little bit of it and then probably it wasn't what I was looking for. It's somewhere in my boxes of books somewhere but does does that have any bearing on the overall timeline as well and if so yeah, um, yeah i was curious yes, about that, that that book is, is about the new age really and about a lot from all the different threads that kind of weave it together hmm. um so i never read it but i know about it it's okay. a really famous yeah um, yeah, I wanted to say something real quick. Uh, I mean, QAnon supposedly was started by um, New Agers, which isn't too surprising because the New Age is very much into conspiracy theories. Hmm. Uh, a lot of New Agers are into these real far out things, the reptilian people or whatever. These, these things are so crazy to me. I don't spend too much time <laughs> on it. You know, I come across it, you know, online and or people ask me about it and you know these people uh, they're, they're really aliens but they're and they're really reptiles but they're pretending to be people or something I don't know the Nephilim and all this crazy <laughs> stuff that I can't even like I don't know I think I would go bonkers if I tried to <laughs> if I had to deal with that I would go bonkers so I'm glad I don't <laughs> we have <laughs> some great is. we have some great episodes on uh, Nephilim just but, so you know but I will say the good there, I, I do know this that uh, the Nephilim, from like the biblical the, sense, biblical sense, yeah, that has been a thing that has been. Um, I want to say what was the author's name? Uh, Mary Edie. Oh, Mary Baker Baker Eddy. Baker Eddy, yeah, I think because yeah. she wrote a book about uh, the Nephilim, and I think she was one of the first ones. Was she a Christian scientist? Oh, yes, really? she was Christian scientist. I no, she did that. Yeah, she she wrote a book because I remember <laughs> it was one of the ones that I found. I found when we, we first started recording the podcast, I was like, I have this book from I bought when I was a teenager and Again. reading about weird stuff. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I started reading, and I'm like, oh, this is all straight new age stuff. But I think she was the one that brought this idea of biblical Nephilim, like in name kind of thing, and then was trying to bring twisted into twitch it, yeah. Yeah, twisted into new age belief so um yeah it's definitely that's very interesting that yeah. they have that crossover i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt yeah, okay. <laughs> i mean that's because if you you know you think about it the nephilim are only mentioned like twice or something in the bible and yet there's these hordes and hordes of theories and books and <laughs> and and conspiracy theories and people who talk about it and it's like this tiny little thing in the bible really 
that there's so much speculation and crazy stuff on it. I find it very interesting that humans tend to pick on really trivial things and make a big deal out of them. You know, I think that that that's always a bad sign. To me, that's always a red flag. <laughs> and that's often what cults do. They will pick one small thing in the Bible, and then that becomes their major teaching. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's just several examples I'm sure um, you all can think of, and I can think of several. But, yeah, the age of Aquarius and this awakening, I don't know if officially they're connected, but the age of Aquarius is seen very much in the New Age by New Agers and astrologers as a time, as a sort of revolutionary transition um, for humanity. And it, and what this is based on, I should probably say, why is it called the Age of Aquarius or what does that mean? It's something called the World Ages. And each World Age is 2,000 years. Hmm. And it's because the um, North Pole, uh, because the wobble of the Earth, every 2,000 years or so, the North Pole moves a little bit and points towards a different constellation. Hmm. And, but it goes through, it's going through the zodiac just because of the position of the earth and everything and the way that the earth turns. It's going through the zodiac backwards. Hmm. So it's not Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, which would be the normal progression of the zodiac. It's going backwards like Taurus, Aries, Pisces, Aquarius. So we're, we're coming out of the age of Pisces and moving into the age of Aquarius. So the Pis- Pisces is the 12th sign of the zodiac, and Aquarius is the 11th sign. Hmm. So we're moving from the 12th through the 11th sign. And there's no exact year for when anybody can say this happens, but because it's about 2,000 years since the age of Pisces started, we're more or less in the age of Aquarius, or we're moving into it for sure. Some people may think we're already there. Um, and the age of Pisces, probably to understand the age of Aquarius, I should say a few things about the age of Pisces, um, because Jesus Christ is supposed to be the one who ushered in the age of Pisces, the new age Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Jesus of the new age and of astrology was the avatar of the age of Pisces. He was a spiritual being who incarnated at a specific time in order to teach humanity lessons that they needed to learn. And these lessons were lessons of sacrifice, um, love, universal love, brotherhood, equality, peace, um, and martyrdom. And see, people in the New Age will say, well, look at the life of Jesus. It fits all of those things. And all of those things have to do with the sign of Pisces. Hmm. So, you know, it's very convincing to the New Ager to match Jesus up to the age of Pisces. And so he was helping to usher it in because the whole 2,000 years of the age of Pisces was a cleansing or purging in preparation for the age of Aquarius. Hmm. So... You can look back on different events throughout, you know, from the Middle Ages or whatever, anything from the previous 2,000 years, and tie it into some kind of, you know, you could read into it, this symbolized the purging of this, or this was this. You know, you look at, for example, the 
revolution that went on in governments when monarchies were being overthrown, like the French Revolution and the Russian Revolution. And that was very historically, you know, very historical landmark events that happened where there really was this huge change in Europe where the monarchy was, you know, overthrown. And the idea was you would have the government more equal, more for the people, and you wouldn't have these kings ruling people or kings or queens. So, I mean, even now, like the Queen of England is just a figurehead. She doesn't really rule England. So there was a big change there with the, in the government. And so a new ager would say, we'll see that as part of the purging, where they were purging away these old ways of governing people. And it made way for a new kind of, of equality and new kind of govern, government. So you could pick anything, industrial revolution or anything, and you would find the same idea. So it's very, very convincing to people who believe this. Um, now, with the age of Pisces coming to an end and the age of Aquarius is coming, what does that mean? Well, Aquarius is very, very different from Pisces. Uh, it's like really different. So Pisces is a water sign. Aquarius is an air sign. Water signs are related to emotions. Air signs are related to the mind. Um, so Aquarius is a sign that has to do with revolution and innovation with the mind. And it has to do with um, innovation, either scientifically. Um, it has to do with equality and universal brotherhood. It has to do with putting the group above the individual. And these are all Aquarian um, concepts, concepts that you would find in Aquarius in a broad way, like if you apply it to humanity, not just to a person. There's a personal way where you talk about somebody who has certain planets in the sign of Aquarius that would that would supposedly give them certain characteristics. Um, and it would be a little bit related to what I'm talking about, but what I'm talking about is mu it's called mundane astrology. Hmm. Mundane coming from the Latin word for world, which is something like mund or munde or something. So it's of the world. So this is astrology for the world, not for an individual. Okay. So it's mundane astrology. And Aquarius, meaning all these things, mean there, means there's a shift. And since Pisces was the purge, then we're entering new ground that's never been entered before. Some people won't be ready for this. So there's a belief among uh, many New Agers that there will be uh, what they call earth changes. And earth changes are could be, you know, earthquakes, huge floods, um, I don't know, meteor striking, you know, a country or a city or something. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, a lot of people dying, basically, because those people aren't ready for the, the shift into the age of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also this idea that's kind of part of it that, it, and, and actually there is a New Age website called The Shift. It's a huge website. It's completely 100% New Age. Um, and so this shift is this idea that you're going into a higher consciousness. So Aquarius is not just about this innovation and equality and, and um, you know, mental freedom and everything. It's also... Um, about uh, going into this higher consciousness, this higher spiritual consciousness. 
for New Agers. This is how New Agers would interpret it and astrologers. So you're on a certain level in your in your mind. Humanity's on a certain level in the age of Pisces, but the age of Aquarius, people who are ready will have their minds opened during the age of Aquarius or at the beginning of it. Hmm. And so this will mean that people can go to a higher spiritual level. Now that's a very common phrase that you hear in the new age a higher spiritual level. Mm-hmm. But if you try to define it, it's really, you know, you'll get different definitions <laughs> from different people. Because it's really very vague, you know. Yeah. A, a higher spiritual level, okay, what is that, you know? So it's not really defined. It just depends on what the person means by it. But the concept is that you're going to be more spiritual, that you're going to be more enlightened, that you're going to have a better grasp of spiritual truth. Um, of course, new age spiritual, new age type spiritual truth. Yeah. Um, so you can see that that most people in the new age see this as an opening up. They see this as as a good thing, as a positive thing. Most mostly positive. Some are aware that there's there's negative things about the age of Aquarius, <clears throat> but there are these positive things. Now, what's interesting to me is that. Um, did you want to ask me something first? I do. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Before we move on, I, there's a couple of things you said yeah. that I just want to ask you about. One of the things okay. that you said was that uh, Aquarius is ushering in, or it's a transition uh, phase that's going to come in, and uh, that the people that are not ready for it are going to be removed via some kind of, you know, cat- cat- catastrophic event, whether a meteor, earthquake, flood, right, or, or several. Event. So several, who, several. My question is: is yeah. is the universe deciding this, and how do how does it know who to yeah. take out? Like, is there is it like, oh, I see the aura of that person; they're good. Oh, the aura of that one's so dull that I need to kill them in a, in the meteor. I need to get them over to the meteor uh, landing spot. Like, how yeah. does it work? <laughs> like, how do? Oh. Yeah, that, that, you're asking a question that doesn't have an answer. <laughs> I can tell you that the way New Agers think. In their minds, they see there's some kind of almost magical, you know, way that this all works. Hmm. It's almost this kind of magical way. And somehow the people who aren't ready, that will be somehow known in some <laughs> way to someone. <laughs> it's, it's like a New Age sovereignty. Calvinism. You know, um, I mean, sure, there might be a few people out there that have come up with some kind of intricate explanation. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, I think that actually would be a good question to ask a New Ager. If they believe this particular theory that people who aren't ready will be taken out with these catastrophes, then the good question would be, but how, who's going to know that they aren't the people, they they aren't ready? How do you know? Yeah, and now there's a few answers I can think of. One of them might be karma. Mm-hmm. Um, so most New Agers believe in reincarnation. So oh. your your karma would be that you would be one of the people that would be killed mm-hmm. um, in a kind of <laughs> catastrophe, you know, because you weren't ready. So that's that's kind of somehow that's an, that's another thing though that doesn't have a good explanation because right. you know who's deciding? Right. Like when you come back to your life, you know, let's say you've just reincarnated to this particular life, well, who's decided that you've come back as Turner, Mm -hmm. you know, 
and and living where you live and and having the life that you've had who who decided that for you and who's going to decide your next life so right. there's that funny uh kind of uh little uh wobbly territory there (laughs) you know some people say well you kind of know your higher self knows you know um other people say you decide yourself what your next life is going to be so you get you get different answers that way too Hmm. but that might be one answer be some kind of karma um or that even that the people who aren't ready know they aren't ready and they will you know they will kind of Take care of it. Engineer their own destruction. Yeah. yeah. That, I can see somebody coming up with that kind of answer. I'm not saying I ever heard that answer, yeah. but I'm just putting myself back in the new age mindset. And um, that, you know, I can see that kind of answer happening. I can, I can hear, I can, I can, I'm imagining conversations on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody's saying that. Well, you so, don't, you uh, don't recycle. And so the earth is going to take you out because you don't respect the earth. And so it's going to cleanse you. Don't worry. You'll die of pollution poisoning or yeah. something. I, I just want to point out for like to listeners, the kind of whole thing that like the whole underlying thing, which is so funny about all this is like, these are this new age and all these answers are ways to get around saying that there's a creator God right. that controls everything. Cause right. that's what you're getting at is. Well, who, you know, who is the ultimate Who's, uh, who judge decides my of fate, the karma? Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it can't be a god, so it has to be right. something else that something else. That they, totally has all the attributes of what we would call yeah. a god, but it's not god because that's So, yeah. the other question I was there's two other questions. Do they this one's related to the who decides question, but is do they believe in like Gaia? I've heard Gaia, which is the G you see in the in the Freemasons you know, symbol between the square and the compass that No, G- that's, that's not Gaia. Freemason isn't Gaia. I think it has to do with a master geometer or something. Oh, okay. Don't get the Masons mixed don't get the Masons mixed up with the New Age. Okay. That's a common <laughs> mistake. Um, you know, there may be Masons with New Age views, but it's not it's really a different it's a whole different ball of wax. Okay. Masonry. Okay. It's not the same as the New Age. Um like there could in fact, I knew a woman who was an astrologer, and she was in the women's branch of Mason of the Masons. She was in the women's branch. She was the only one I knew. Mm. Um, but even though you might find some New Agers involved in Masonry, you find a lot of Christians in Masonry too. Yeah, yeah. yeah you find more Christians in New Age Masonry. I know. Masonry really, to me, is a was a or is a way to try to replicate these pagan rituals mm-hmm. to make make you feel special. That's kind of how I see masonry. Um, and I know it's got some really bad teachings in it, but it is not like the New Age. And it's also very structured. Yeah, the New Age is very unstructured, totally unstructured. That's why I don't think you'd find very many New Agers in in masonry because yeah. they don't really like structure. So, um, where do the but the G- Gaia is the name that a Earth. scientist named um, John his first his first his last name starts with Locke L O C K maybe you can look him up John Lockwood or Lock 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 something um, wrote a book um, I think it was called Gaia back in the seventies and he said that the Earth is a living creature mm. and the earth has like consciousness mm. and Gaia is actually the name of a Greek goddess okay okay and it's a name that he came up with 
Did you find his name? Because I can't think. James Lovelock. Okay, I will. I was off a little bit. <laughs> I have the lock part, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's James Lovelock. And um, so he's the one who, who wrote, and he was a, he's a scientist, or was a scientist. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this book about Gaia and the Earth having a consciousness. So really, he was writing, even though he was a scientist, he was writing something spiritual, mm-hmm. at least in part. By you know positing this consciousness for Earth, and that idea took hold. I think when they had Earth Day, you know, they had the first Earth Day. That was a real, real big deal. It was like 1977 no, or something like. Yeah, 78, 79, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah, it was really a really big deal when they did that, and there was the, the people involved in that. Some of them, anyway, were like new were New Agers, mm-hmm. and so that idea took hold in the new age about the earth and you know Gaia the consciousness of earth and um, earth being um, now the earth being our mother and everything you're kind of moving over into Wicca and witchcraft which is not the same as new age although there are a lot of people in Wicca and witchcraft who have new age views Hmm. so they they can overlap so although technically they're very different so is are these astrological uh, views are they rooted back in Babylonian stuff from you know like post flood, maybe pre flood even? I, I would say I would say post flood. Um, yes, the first, the historically the first um, astrologers we know of <clears throat> were the Chaldeans mentioned like in the Book of Daniel. Mm-hmm. So when it uses the word Chaldeans, that that's often a synonym for astrologers. Mm. Um, and they were the wise men for the king. So they would, uh, the way, you know, there's no real definitive history of astrology. There's a lot of theories because um, either things weren't written down or if they were written down, we didn't find, you know, they weren't found. They were destroyed. Um, But the idea was that they, of course, you know, men were interested in the stars and looked at the sky because for one thing, uh, if they traveled by ship, they used the stars, you know, as, as a guiding thing. So man was always interested in the sky and in the stars, and they noticed that certain stars moved faster than others. And, of course, these were the planets, but they didn't have the concept of planets at the time, so they were just stars that moved fast. And they decided those were gods or the homes of gods. So they gave a special status to those stars, which were, you know, um, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, um, and that's it. Wait, I mean, am I leaving one out? All of them except the outer three. Mm-hmm. Mercury, well, I'm leaving Earth out. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. Yeah. Okay, because they had they didn't discover Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto until the 18th, 19th, and 20th mm-hmm. century. So they decided that there was something special about them, and they started connecting them to events on Earth. And then um, the men who noticed this were the men who studied the, the stars, and they were the wise men. They were the advisors to the kings, and so they would they would give the king a message. You know, <clears throat> this, this uh, Mars or whatever they called it at the time, and and. and um, in uh, the Babylon names were different. Like Mar, I know Marduk was Jupiter. I don't know the name for Mars, but mm-hmm. they would say, "Well, Mars is um, 
very close to Jupiter or something. So that means this. And that means your enemy is going to attack. Mm. And so they were only doing this advice for kings and rulers. And the first time astrology became used for individuals was by the Greeks. Mm. In the latter part of Greece, when Greece was beginning to, they were kind of on the, on the wane from their glory days, and they were beginning to absorb ideas from other cultures. And astrology, they got that from the Arabs, and they sort of took it on. And then, of course, the Romans copied the Greeks. Mm -hmm. So that became Western astrology. Hmm. Astrology, for example, in China is totally not even not even close. It's so different, hmm. completely different. Is that the is that the uh, ones where like when you go to the restaurant and they have like the year of the rat and the year of the dog? Yeah. Is yeah. that is that Chinese? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it, but it's more it's apparently more detailed than that. I think it depends on like every two hours of the day is a certain thing, and, wow. and so it has to do with that too. And I don't know too much about it, mm -hmm. but it's more detailed than what you see at the Chinese restaurant. Okay. Yeah, but that is part. Of it. Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. Okay. So. That became Western astrology, and now the idea of the uh, going, you know, from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius, I don't know when that began, but that had to be fairly recent because they didn't know enough about the wobble of the North Pole. Right. You know, they didn't have that kind of information. So I'm thinking that may have come about maybe in the, you know, I'm just guessing the 1800s or something. Mm -hmm. Whenever they discovered that thing about the wobble, hmm. um, and, and I don't know exactly when it was. It's called the Procession of the Equinox. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so whenever that was discovered, then that probably became known to astrologers, and that started being used um, for, these, for these great world ages. I think mm. possibly the Theosophists were into this world age thing. Yeah. Not possibly. Yeah, Blavatsky. I think. Yeah. Um, like yeah, Bulbatsky. Bulbatsky, yeah, I, I do remember her reading. Uh, yeah, they were into the world ages. Yeah, I think they were. So it must have been discovered by the time she was, she was, uh, you know, doing her thing. Right. And so this whole thing of the world ages, uh, and then you, what they do is they take other things that happen and correlate it with her. You remember when? Right before 2012, there was this whole thing about the Mayan calendar mm -hmm. and 2012 and how mm. all people had all kinds of predictions about 2012. <laughs> yeah. all these, they had that movie, 2012. Yeah. I went yeah. and saw it, you know, and it was like this, all this disaster, you know, like it was going to disappear or something. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people took that idea of the Mayan calendar, which wasn't correct anyway, and 2012 <laughs> right. kind of made a part of you know, the age of going into the age of Aquarius. Hmm. So that's another shift. In other words, that's another shift that's happening. So there are all these shifts that are going on um, physically with the earth and spiritually and mentally with the culture. Um, and one of them, interestingly enough, and I, I have this in my article on the age of Aquarius on my website, is... And I wrote this a number. This, I wrote this that article. I can't remember when I wrote it. I think I've got the date on it, but it was quite a few years ago. And I wrote about gender equality mm. and being um, genderless, no gender. So that that is one of the features of the age of Aquarius mm. because distinctions don't matter anymore. Mm. So you don't have to have this 
this, um, you know, dual distinction, male, male, female, and it has to be male or it has to be female. So you've got this idea that gender is fluid. Um, and so wow. a lot of people would look at what's going on in our culture now with all the gender issues and say, well, see, that's the age of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. You know, you can just see it playing out. I mean, I can even remember um, in the eight, early 80s, Annie Lennox. You know, she used to, uh, the Eurythmics, she would dress in a man's suit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and look, uh, I don't know if she really looked masculine, but she dressed very masculine. And that was kind of a bold, it was a, a bit of a bold thing to yeah. do. Yeah, she'd, sha she'd shave her head. Yeah, she yeah. had these kind of far out, you know, a little far out innovative looks. I, I always thought at the time, I was a new ager, and at the time... I, I thought, wow, she's really exemplifies the age of Aquarius. <laughs> That's what I thought. Um, and so you can see things, you can see different celebrities kind of sort of modeling this idea. And then you have all the gender issues going on and, you know, the, the non-binary genders and gender fluidity, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so people think, wow, you know, this is so true. The age of Aquarius is, you know, I can, I know that as, an astrologer that's how I would see things that's that's exactly how I would interpret them and I would think you know all these other people who don't know about the age of Aquarius and don't believe in astrology they're just they don't understand what's going on yeah. <laughs> because they don't know about the age of Aquarius and they don't believe in astrology and they're missing out on all this information that would help them understand but you know what I wrote in my article is that if you go back way way back to early pagan ancient pagan pagan cultures they had gender stuff they yeah. had they had gods that were both genders mm -hmm. you know and gods that were no genders and they had um men dressing as women etc this this was often connected to their spirituality mm -hmm. which is why god had in the old testament told the israel that the women should not dress like men mm -hmm. it's because it was a pagan it was a pagan practice probably connected to maybe one of their gods. Mm -hmm. And in Hinduism, you find that you find that all over the place in Hinduism. Mm -hmm. yeah. So these ideas aren't new. They're just resurfacing. It's just pagan spirituality resurfacing in, in our culture. The old age is back. There's nothing. The old, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's really what's going on. It's just an echo of, of old paganism coming back and we're just seeing it in, di in a different form well what's what's amazing to me though is like as you're talking about this they put these this these movements in 2000 year cycles uh christ was one of the major cycles that ushered in it's been about 2000 years so now we're in a, and the church if it's properly reading scripture it should be looking for the return of christ like that's what we've been told you know, to do for the past 2,000 years is to always be prepared, be ready at any moment he could return. And so uh, you have these things that parallel with Scripture, but yet they deviate so far away from what the truth is, and it p holds people into some kind of deception. But what's even more, ama yeah. what's more amazing to me is, like, this whole gender thing that you're talking about. Like, it was weird. It was like somebody flipped a switch. And I remember it was, you know, probably, I want to say it was like the early 2000, maybe 2003 to 2005, somewhere in that range. I just remember it was like a law passed 
I can't remember where it was, but in the United States, and and I and that law passed, and then all of a sudden everything just started to go down from there. You mean like the <clears throat> marriage? Maybe it was the marriage. gay marriage. Yeah, thing? I think I think it was gay marriage. I think that was marriage. what year was that? Was that? A burger fell. I think around two thousand and five, maybe or yeah. I think it was well, it started in one state and then it went to other states. Yeah. yeah. But, so it didn't become national till a few years later. I can't remember the year, but it started at maybe in Massachusetts. I'm not sure, and then it went to a couple more states. Mm-hmm. Did it? It, it was first state by state. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was it was slow, but, but it did happen. And now, yeah. like, and now, like, I don't know if you guys have noticed this month. It's June, so it's Pride Month. It seems so much more ramped up than it has in years past this year, like. I don't know why. I mean, I just, it seems like it's so much more prominent than it has been. I think it's just years. more blatant. Yeah, they don't. Well, they're, they're not trying to hide it anymore by putting it with like the kids stuff is the biggest one. Yeah, that's the big thing. Like Nickelodeon mm-hmm. with the, the and you know. Yeah, that doesn't really have anything to do with the new age though. No, well, no, I know. I but... only brought that up because I, I was saying that the new age, people in the new age would see that gender thing as proof that we're entering, we've entered the age of Aquarius. Yeah. But people actually doing it doesn't have anything to do. Well, I, I guess my thought, they, my thought though is, I guess my thought is like, is there, <laughs> I always think there's a spirit behind some of these things. You know, Ephesians talks about principalities and powers in high places. Oh, well, yeah, I think there's a spiritual, I think, I think that there's a spiritual Thing, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's a spiritual power behind those kind of things um, because they're going against God, the way God created us, and and what how God defines marriage. So I definitely think I think there's a spiritual thing there, but I, I just don't see it connected specifically to the New Age. Mm. I was going to say, I, yeah, I don't, the New Age isn't at, the New Age. It isn't because of the New Age. Is that no, no, no? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna. I feel like I'm a little. I feel like I'm a little afield of my area of expertise. I'm a little uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. I'm well, a little uncomfortable. I don't like to get into social issues. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I, I prefer to like go back to the new age yeah. and talk about what I know because I feel like we kind of this to me is kind of like going off into another area. Yeah, well, maybe hopefully this will bring it back. I was going to say, like, one of the things, like, what you were talking about with, um, uh, I want to say, like, pointers that, like, New Age people would be using as, oh, like, this was something that is uh, emblematic of the Age of Aquarius. So when we see these markers, much in the same way that, I guess, Christians would be looking for the birth pangs. Um, for Revelation, it's not not using that as an exact one to one, but like you will see these things, and then that will give um, credence, credence, or yeah, validate their belief, validation. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to say that that much in the same way uh, that like we the it, like the these things that are um, happening. Like I got when you were talking about the age of Aquarius being a um, mind. I can't remember how you phrased it, but a uh, a raising of like the mind more so or intelligence. A new state, a new state of consciousness, a higher consciousness. Um, yeah, uh, I think I can't remember how you. You said like Pisces was Pisces was, was, was emotional, emotional, and, and then Aquarius, Aquarius was, was the mind. It was like more of a thinking. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's right. an air, it's an air sign, so that's related to the mind. Right. Right. 
so I was going to say that, like, when you said that immediately, I started thinking of, um, this is if to kind of get back to more of that is like, if I was looking for these signs, um, to back up my belief of something that I already believed, like if I already believed in astrology and everything, I would be looking around at the, what is this, the fourth industrial revolution, so to speak, with all the technology and all that. Um, right. And so I was going to say much, uh, not going into specifics, but it, it, um, it, I, I want to say, how do I say it? It's like there's the spiritual forces, like, let me back up like of course that all these things are being like that we are that new age people are are able to look around and see all the markings because like if satan is really behind all the new age and there is a real spiritual force behind all these ideas um that are not of god not of yahweh you know christ um like well he seeded it's, it's he seeded the be, new age already with, well yeah but i mean like know. of course like it makes sense that this stuff is happening because there's demonic forces using it to propel it. Um, oh, yeah. So it like, because th this stuff would die out. Basically, this is my point is if none of these things would ever like, if, if I followed astrology and none of this stuff ever actually lined up, maybe after like a couple of years, I'd look around and be like, this is, there's, n there's no proof of this. Why would I still be yearning for it? But I, but I, I think because, there is things that people that are following are able to point out and see it reinforces them and keeps them within the new age, like mindset, like, because there's stuff that they can point to. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. That, you know, things happen that make it look like it's true, right. like the age of Christ is true. And it really is really happening. Um, and of course there's also the factor that people will, they will look for what they want to see exactly. and see what they want to see. So they, you know, they'll ignore anything that might might go against the idea that it would be the age of Aquarius. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. they might not, that part they might just ignore and they'll just go with all the factors that jump out at them as being related to the age of Aquarius. And that, then that makes it look even more real because you're just focusing on those areas. Exactly. So yeah. And the, and the, um, what you mentioned with the, uh, you know, the technological, like, computer things. I mean, or even beyond computer where people are, um, I don't know, they have something like a watch and it's like a computer or mm -hmm. they can, what were those Google glasses people had that they yeah. put on and they to virtual reality or something? I mean, we may be way, way beyond that. Um, and so we're getting, like, more and more advanced in those kind of things, and that would be seen as an Aquarius thing. Because it would be seen as, as these very big, gigantic advances in technology mm -hmm. that give man more ability to to know things and do things that he couldn't do before. Mm -hmm. So it's very centered on, you know, mankind being raised um, not just spiritually, but in all these other ways too. Where you're, we're going to be way beyond any other society, any other culture. And in time. Yeah. Well, we certainly something are. That stood out, something that stood out a little bit when you were talking about um, the different, I guess, harbingers of what the new age, or the new age of Aquarius would be um, was the weather or like the cataclysmic event mm. that might happen. Um, 
and then on top of that like the elevation of like mind and um not necessarily technology but just all the things involving the mind and so it's really interesting to see um in things like we just talked about it in the previous episode um like the great reset and the um world economic forum uh basically their sustainable development plan it's really interesting seeing all of their goals that they want to achieve in the next 10, 15, 20 years, and then seeing how those things, like, are essentially, it's almost like making it happen. And I don't think they're involved with New Age at all, but I just think it's really interesting that from their point of view, like, here's what we're going to try and do in order to, because we're seeing, you know, climate change is making all these big cataclysmic events happen. And Mm -hmm. so a New Ager could look at that and be like, yes, it's because we're in this new age. And then, um, you know, we're going to see more, like, gender equity and gender equality across the board. And a New Ager would see, you know, more equality and enlightenment of people's minds. And so there's less, like, prejudice and stuff. Um, And then it's it's just really interesting to see, like, you could, even from, like, a, maybe, like, a crunchy New Ager, uh, you could (laughs) be okay with all of the signs and things that are happening. But then also as a more, like, technological mainstream-minded New Ager, you could also see all the signs of what's happening and how the world wants to fix it, mm-hmm. and you would be okay with it. Whereas Christians are over here being like, yeah, well, we're in the days of Noah. Like, do you see all these birth things? Like, do you see all these markers for, you know, Jesus is coming back? And so we're seeing a completely different age that we're entering where yeah. everything is being normalized that shouldn't be, and then these things are being seen as advancements. Um, right. So it's just it's right. very interesting to see like the mirroring of those two um, ages that we could be in, and then also like how people would accept it and even promote it via what you were saying their kind of confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also mm-hmm. um, basically speaking things into existence even more, and like even within their own circles or their own following, they could be promoting these ideas even more. That way it's basically on everyone's mind that, hey, we're in this new age. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, entering these different um, places of enlightenment and bringing your mental state, like, elevated. And it's interesting because in the mainstream medicine, but then also kind of more holistic medicine, I keep seeing psychedelics being pushed yeah. Um, yeah, as a way true. to deal with mental issues or mm-hmm. PTSD or stuff people wanting to do like mm-hmm. MDMA, psilocybin, like all of Ketamine. these things as like yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah. All of those things to, um, to deal with these mental issues. And so I think that there's going to be a lot of advancements, not only in the, those kind of more non-pharmaceutical ways, but also, um, that's going to be more accepted in the holistic world. And then probably in the pharmaceutical world, there's going to be a lot of advancements that I keep seeing pushed by people where they want to essentially map out the entire, body in a digital way and that way they can start to um get into down to the root and heal people's um health issues and stuff from a technological standpoint and so it's interesting seeing how people are starting to address the mind in an almost computerized way Mm -hmm. or like a um they want to get in and and start to address just the physical brain with things that they might not know are spiritual they have spiritual components to them so I right. think it's very interesting. Um, you have people coming from a maybe non-spiritual right. uh, point of view and then also a spiritual point of view um, who could, they're just really excited about this whole like age of advancement. So I'm 
it's really interesting to see, and, and especially with your background too, just like how you've been able to confirm like this is how people have been able to see this, you know, over the past yeah. few centuries and stuff, um, kind of where these schools of thought came from and why it's so easy for people to accept them now. So. Um, yeah, and that, and it's true that even not people without the spiritual point of view are kind of would be seen as as living out this Aquarius age, like getting into the idea of the brain and how do these psychedelic drugs affect the brain and being very technical about the human body, um, which is not a spiritual. It is a, an Aquarius thing because Aquarius can be very technical. Mm-hmm. It's because it's the mind. So it has to do with thinking and using the mind. And there's a, a cold side of Aquarius. I should have mentioned this earlier. The sign of Aquarius originally was ruled by the planet Saturn. And Saturn was the furthest planet that they could see. Yeah. And so it was the planet of limits and the planet of death. And it was also the, considered very cold. So Saturn in astrology even today is the planet of limitations. Um, of authority, um, of coldness, emotional coldness, um, and um, limitation. So that that's how Saturn, generally speaking, is seen in uh, in astrology. Now, after the planet Uranus was discovered, at, at right at the point of the Industrial Revolution, I think it was 1781. At some point there, it became the planet of Aquarius. I'm not sure who decided it, but somehow it did. <laughs> mm. And maybe they saw Aquarius as the planet, you know, the sign of innovation. So Uranus was happening during the Industrial Revolution. But even though Uranus is now the ruler of, a, of um, Aquarius, and Uranus is a planet of revolution and innovation and upsetting the old order, Saturn is still the co-ruler with Uranus of, the, of Aquarius. It's the co-rule. So anybody who knows astrology or any astrologer would say you have to consider the influence of Saturn as well as Uranus on Aquarius. So that comes into play. And Saturn is nobody's favorite planet. Right. Because it's not, it's not a fun planet. Right. It's a planet of authority and structure and limitations and... <laughs> You know, there's all good things about that, but most people don't get excited like, oh, yay, limitations. Oh, yay, structure. You know, especially New Agers. Yeah. So they, they don't like structure. It's, so, you know, it's, there's a side to Aquarius. Actually, I, when I was an astrologer, I used to point this out to people. And I said, you know, we have to remember that Saturn co-rules Aquarius. And Saturn has to do with structure and limitation. And there's going to be limitations in the age of Aquarius. There's going to be a coldness to it that we have to watch out for you know it can get to where the structure is fighting with the innovation and it can get too chaotic mm-hmm. so I used to try I was always like the you know rain on people's parades about the age of a <laughs> <laughs> because I, I wasn't all yippee yippee about it mm-hmm. you know I I had my reservations about it being such a great time I, I do know that in the occult, Saturn is, a, is uh, associated with Satan. Is, uh, they, there's this occult uh, kind of uh, leaning towards the Saturnial, you know, uh, 
Uh, I'm trying to think of what the wording is right now because it just popped into my head a few minutes ago. Oh, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, from what I've heard in the occult, in the occult, not necessarily the New Age, but uh, Saturn and uh, Satan have a connection there, like the black cube and all that kind of stuff too. But um, I don't. I never heard that. I never heard. I never heard that. Okay. Well, it's yeah, it's not a New Age thing though. That I know that. But so, what's the what is the next? So we say so for an astrologer, they move through Aquarius. What is the next? Uh, what is the next uh, sign to come? What is the next? Uh, you know. Oh, in two thousand years. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Here, here we go. It's the age of Capricorn, which is ruled by Saturn. <laughs> so. And I used to point that out, too, and I used to say, well, everybody's so excited about the age of Aquarius. I mean, are they going to be that excited about the age of Capricorn? <laughs> because age of Capricorn is going to be definitely very, very different from the age of Aquarius. And so, um, you know, to me, because it's almost like even though in the New Age and in astrology you have this cycle, the cyclical view of things, um, you know, there's like no final ending. It's always like a cycle, mm. uh, going into another cycle, which is actually very pagan because that is the way pagan, they don't have linear views of time. And I always used to think about that, though, because everyone's talking about Aquarius as though it's like the final age. Like it's going to, everything's going to work out great and we're going to be free and there's going to be brotherhood and <laughs> world equality and all this stuff, and then and then I'm thinking, but you know, then down the road we're going to get into the age of Capricorn, mm -hmm. and you know, it's not going to be the age of Aquarius forever. And of course, after the age of Capricorn, we'll have the age of Sagittarius. So you know, it's going to move on to these different cycles. So it's not like age of Aquarius is the final chapter hmm. in in the story of humanity. But that's often how the in the New Age they see it because you know they're alive at this time and they're yeah. living at the time the transition to the age of Aquarius. So you know then they see all these good things about Aquarius. So that tends to be you know what gets them excited. Just like the song the song Harry. Dawning and it's a very like happy upbeat song. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, very very upbeat. Incredibly, I can't sing or I would sing a few notes <laughs> for you, but it's very upbeat. <laughs> and and uh, you know that's really that tends to be people tend to be somewhat op more optimistic than pessimistic about the age of Aquarius. Hmm. Wow. Well, I definitely when we think about like what some of these markers of what new agers believe about and what, you know, evidently what the stars are trying to reveal. When I look at our current culture, I see the application of those things. That's why it's not hard for me to see a hidden hand behind it all, which, which I think what Rosie and Rachel said was really, was really cool because they, what, what you guys were basically saying is that the new age deceives someone into basically being willing to accept uh, something that maybe they wouldn't otherwise um, enjoy or accept, uh, they'd maybe resist, and so it takes a whole segment of our of our culture and actually sidelines it from any opposition of what the enemy wants to try and do, to move it further away from God, to enslave people, to to deceive them into um, you know away from worshiping the one true living God, and and you know Jesus, and so um, and this is why I get, you know. <laughs> 
like I hate I'm not a religious person at all and legalism is like it makes me throw up in my mouth but <laughs> I, you know I try and warn believers about horoscopes and things like this because you know it's like what you were yeah. saying Rosie it's like oh I see these markers well I, if it didn't ever happen I wouldn't follow it like I would I would just give up on it but the problem is is that horoscopes are like a they're like a clock it's that doesn't have batteries in it it's right twice a day <laughs> if you read right. it, if you read it on the right if you read it at the right time it's going to it's going to be true for that day you know it doesn't mean that it's always true you know right well I have it actually I have an article on my website called um <clears throat> something like to read or not read horoscopes to read or not read mm. um it's on horoscopes it's the title is something like that I actually wrote it originally for a singles a christian singles magazine years ago um and i talked specifically about you know horoscopes and reading horoscopes and i've addressed that before with people um you know because it's an easy it's an easy hook to get you interested and if you're reading it and and one day you're reading it and it's true mm -hmm. it really happens what it says happens then you start getting curious like i wonder i wonder what it's going to say tomorrow you know, mm -hmm. right? And I wonder if it's going to say something that that comes true again. And and some people, we always think that we can resist these kind of things, but actually, <laughs> it's actually very easy for our curiosity to kind of get us into trouble. And you know, then you keep reading it. I mean, I have met people who eventually went to an astrologer because they read horoscope columns, mm -hmm. and they got interested in astrology through horoscope columns. I mean, that's how I got interested in it right. when I was a teenager. I, I read horoscope columns in the news. I was a very avid newspaper reader, oddly enough, starting at age 13. I was just incredibly interested in reading newspapers, and I read it every day. <laughs> I read the Washington Post every day when <laughs> we were living in the Washington, yeah. D.C. area. And my, my father was a foreign service officer, and he would talk about things going on in the world. So I had kind of a natural interest. But, of course, in that newspaper was the, the funnies and the horoscope page mm -hmm. and I read it and I would read it for my birth sign, my zodiac sign and I used it was by Jean Dixon and I got very interested <laughs> in Jean Dixon's yeah. column and actually wanted actually went to hear her speak down at the she spoke at the National Press Club one year mm. and um, that got me interested in astrology so. Yeah, I was going to say this was like a personal, um, much in the same way. I mean, I've had, this might be, maybe I don't look like the someone who would fall, I don't know, fall for it. It's not the right term, but get uh, transfixed with it for a little bit, I think is better. Um, and it's still, like, still it pops up. This the, I had, I don't know if I talked about this last time when we, inter when we were talking, but um I went to go visit a friend, uh, or, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and she was telling me about she does she was I'm doing some really weird. It was like not kind of new agey. It had something to do with um, Native American spirits in some way and <laughs> whatever. Anyway, so she did. She informed me after um, that she had done some reading for me. And like, I mean, maybe this is a little too personal, but she was like, do you want to know what it said? And I was like, well, yeah, of course I want to know what it said. Like, it, I just 
was a, you know it, was, it started off as curiosity and she had said two things that something that like in the future I was worried about and um like still they pop up because now now you know like I know all the the bible verses about like <laughs> burning witches and stuff like that or you know like the the they're not kindly to witchcraft and um I was going to say not that it's uh, I don't know what the right term is but like every once in a while when I think about something that is in line with that thing that she one of the one of the two things that she had told me about um like one of them is something like that lines up with what I want you know like it's something I've been praying right. for and so right it's something right. like what well, part of me is like well I hope that that was not a complete lie from Satan because that's something that I actually do want and I've been praying to God for, you know, like something like that. I'm yeah. speaking in very, very general terms. But right, uh, right. I mean, that was probably four or five years ago. And it's still, uh, it, it, you know, I, I feel that pull every once in a while that like, maybe I should ask her to do this thing again. And it's just yes, this fleeting exactly. idea. Yeah, but, you're describing exactly what I see in a lot of people, like Christians, yeah. who sometimes go to one of these people out of desperation. You know, they're just desperate. Things are falling apart. Maybe their marriage is falling apart. They're desperate. Somebody tells them, oh, I know this woman who will really help you. She'll give you this great advice. You know, it's, some, it's a psychic, you know, mm -hmm. or an astrologer. And they'll go there, out of, or maybe they'll pray, and they don't feel God's giving them answers. And the psychic or whoever will give them say some things that really hit home mm -hmm. for that person mm -hmm. and then they go away and they're like they can't get it out of their head yeah you know it's like it's like you can't unsee a picture mm -hmm. and you can't unhear what that psychic told you and so then it sticks with you mm -hmm. and and it, and it works on you and like it did with you like you're kind of like this little part of you it's like who i wonder you know maybe i could ask her about that again or whatever yeah. you know it's that little it's that little seed that gets planted and it's, and people don't understand how powerful that can be. Mm -hmm. And that's part, that's part of the, the seduction yeah. of, of psychics, of astrologers, of mediums, all of these people who are using some kind of form of divination or spirit contact. Um, Cause that's what astrology is. It's divination. Mm -hmm. And they're using that, and that has an effect on the person who's getting the reading. Mm -hmm. So even if you go there thinking, I'm not going to believe this, or I don't really believe this, or whatever, there's a little seed will get planted. And it's very, I tell people who have gone through this, because sometimes they, they will contact me and tell me, I went to this astrologer and she told me this and this and this and some of it came true. And now, now the Lord's convicted me. It was wrong. I shouldn't have gone, but I can't get what she said out of my head. You know? Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, what you need to do, I said, first of all, have you repented? Have you told God you're sorry you went and saw this woman? Um, and then they might say, yeah, usually they say, yes, I have. And then I say, okay, you know, you know, you're forgiven. If you have trusted Christ, you're forgiven. What you need to do is pray and ask God to help you get this out of your head. Mm -hmm. You need to ask God's help to get this, remove this mm -hmm. from your mind and and read scripture a lot yeah. <laughs> and get that to help push it out of your mind because those little tiny zingers there can really 
pack a punch. Mm-hmm. I've talked to too many people who have been through this. Yeah. This is like your story is very familiar to me. Yeah. And, and I was going to say it's, uh, yeah, it, when you're just talking about the that it's divination, um, I read it, the, I was reading something very very recently that summed it up just super succinctly is uh, like, because the Bible, you said all of this is spirit divination and the Bible speaks directly against spirit divination. And so basically the point was the Bible wouldn't warn against doing stuff that you couldn't do. Like the, it would be silly for God to say like, Hey, don't do this thing. If it didn't right. do anything, like he's not, right. he's not warning you because it, it's not possible. He's warning you because it is possible and it's right. not from him. So, um, right. I, I was just going to say, it's just like, it's right there in the Bible. Not because it doesn't exist. It's because it's very much so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. I mean, God, you know, I always say, take God, you know, warrant God. It, it thinks it's serious enough to, to bring it up. Yeah, exactly. So if he thinks it's serious enough to bring it up, then we should be paying attention. <laughs> yeah. We can't miss it or laugh it off or think we're mm-hmm. kind of, you know, immune to it because, yeah. you know, we're not. And I know that little part of you, you know, I can remember when I was in fairly new Christian, I was, I wasn't real new, but I was a younger Christian and I was speaking at some conferences and these were all counter cult conferences. Mm. And the people who, most of the people who spoke and who I got to know were experts in cults mm. and dealt with dealing with people who get into cults and, and everything like that. And you know, I remember a couple of them saying they would not go, for example, to a seminar, like one of those seminars like uh, Werner Erhard used to do, the S seminar in the 70s. Hmm. where you're in a room with other people, you can't leave the room, and he's doing things. Because what he's doing, mind tricks on you. Mm -hmm. It's really a mind manipulation is what's going on. And these people said, you know, I remember this one guy said, even though I know exactly how he does it and I know what's going on, I would not go there myself. Mm -hmm. I would not put myself into that kind of situation because, he recognized how powerful it is and how weak we can be, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you can just get affected by things more than you think. And I, and I, I don't say this, I'm not an alarmist at all. And I, you know, and I believe in, you know, not giving the devil too much credit, um, you know, because God's in charge. And as a Christian, yeah. I believe that you, your salvation is secure, mm-hmm. um, and you have the Holy Spirit in you. But at the same time, we know that we can be tempted, mm-hmm. yeah. and we can't be we can't be fooled because most of the New Testament is written uh, to warn about false teachers. Mm-hmm. In large parts of it are. So God knows that we can come under the influence of something that's false, and these kind of things have a spiritual power behind them. And yeah, um, you know. It's just, it's just better to, you know, not get into the situation at all. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, Rose, I'll encourage you uh, two things. One is that God gives you the desires of your heart. So not only does oh, he... Oh, you're bringing that up. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it, not only does he place the desires within your heart oftentimes, especially if you belong to him and you're seeking him out, uh, but he fulfills them. Yeah, yeah. According to his will. So I would just say, encur- be encouraged by that, that Lord, I have I this, this, whatever it is. You know, a lot of people go to these 
go to palm readers and horoscope because they they have a issue that they want an answer for that they're longing for maybe it's a a a relationship or maybe it's a health thing or in my defense yeah yeah. i i I was i was trying to be very declarative about it she did it for me without my knowledge and then asked if I wanted the answer. See, that's even more so crazy. I'm just saying, that's even more crazy. I didn't crazy. go seeking yeah, yeah. it out. Don't no, I know. Tra- no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you didn't, go, you didn't go there asking for it. Right. right. And, you know, did you, was she using cards or was she doing a reading like a psychic? She, so I, she, she, I was not in presently in the room. Uh, I was, wow. so she texted me. She was in another room. She was, yeah, she was in her apartment and I was not in her apartment and uh, I was with the, okay. and so she texted me and said, Hey, I just did this uh, reading of you. Do you want to know the answers? You. Yeah. Wow. On your behalf. So. Okay. So you don't know what, how she did the reading. That was, I was just a little curious about what she did, but yeah, so she, you, you didn't see what she did. You don't know what she did. Right. No. She said it was some sort of trance that she went into and <laughs> asked wow. questions. That's, wow. Oh, okay. Well, then that's more like a psychic. Yeah. That's actually like a psychic. Yeah. Wow. So not doing art. So no, no. More like a, yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, and then see, it's so easy if she says, well, do you want to know right. what I found out? And then, of course, you know, most of us right. are going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm curious. What, mm-hmm. yeah, what did you find out about me? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's just such a natural response. Mm-hmm. that we would have yeah you know? yeah 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 agreed agreed there's always this curiosity about what my future holds i mean you know 90 90 yeah. percent of our prayers are about <laughs> the future mm-hmm. <laughs> when we talk to jesus you know it's like right. lord what about this what about that you know but but yeah there is a natural inclination to know stuff but but so god does give us the desires of our hearts yeah. if you belong to him and you're praying for his will he begins to he begins to take a believer's heart and deposit in them desires that they wouldn't otherwise necessarily have but he also fulfills them you know i remember not ever wanting to be married when i was younger and then getting saved and then about i don't know i got saved at 17 when i was about 23 24 i started to really have this strong desire to be married and uh it came out of nowhere you know and it was really the lord working on me to prepare me for marriage because he had that in his will for my life and so he was kind of moving my heart according to his will and depositing these desires within me according to his will and then fulfilling them as I was willing to accept them. And, and it was hard to do because I had to go through a season of waiting as well, waiting for that to be fulfilled. So I had to trust him and he kind of tests your heart and God's a God who tests his children, you know, which is hard to believe, but he does, you know, right. You know, um, you know, uh, I, I know, that it's been an hour and 20 and, and it's getting late. I don't want to keep you later than you can. Um, okay. <laughs> but, I don't know. Did you have more questions about it? Do you think I covered it enough? I, I'm, yeah. ex- I'm going to be listening to this again <laughs> and dissecting more of what you said because, you know, I was writing lots of notes. I have two pages of notes yeah, that I wrote while you were taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 but I, for me, like in a big picture sort of sense, um, from what you said, like even like I I started off talking about Donald Trump and how he was such a disruptor of politics, and then you had after him, it, you know, it seems like this age of Aquarius does fit well with a lot of these things that we're seeing. Not that I believe in it, but that there is um, 
there is something behind that. And for them, for people to be proclaiming that and labeling that, you know, as we're seeing, you know, the rise of all these things, when we touched on so many of them, you know, in, during it, I, it's, it seems like um, there's something to that in the sense that there is a spiritual force behind it. Obviously, for all of us here, we, we know God's sovereign. We, we read the Bible. We know the prophecies about the end times and when, you know, the signs to look for. And we, we know what Jesus has promised us. And so for us, we're looking at it from a, a little bit different angle than someone who's an unbeliever or even a, a someone who's maybe a baby believer who just doesn't know and maybe had interest in the New Age as they were coming out of, you know, into faith and out of the world. Um, and so I would just encourage our listeners to think about some of those things as they they're actually great uh great avenues to start a conversation for evangelism with someone you know mm-hmm. um it's like really interesting to because you can ask them the question well do you believe that then well who is this universe that's deciding who gets to live and how you're going to be reincarnated who is it what is it yeah you yeah. know is it just yeah there a- are a lot of good questions ask on that. And I also, before I forget, I want to point out um, uh, one of my articles I have is um, the, called The Piscean Jesus, mm-hmm. and it's about Jesus as he's seen in astrology in the New Age as the avatar of the Age of Pisces. I have, and it actually was a paper I wrote in seminary, mm-hmm. and I, turned, I modified it a bit for my website. So it's on my website under in-depth articles okay. because those are usually my longer articles. <laughs> I just uh-huh. call them in-depth articles, uh-huh. and they don't really fit anywhere else. Mm. So um, that's there. So people who want to read, and, and of course I discuss the age of Pisces mm-hmm. in that article because I'm showing how they connect Jesus to it. Yeah. And then, and then that would kind of go with the age of Aquarius article because, yeah. you know, they get both understand both viewpoints yeah Yeah. i have a quick question okay yeah Um, i was gonna ask if you had one uh with jesus being the avatar of the age of pisces who would be i don't know representatives of the age of aquarius Mm. oh i'm so glad you asked that because Mm. your question reminded me of something i wanted to say Mm. that i forgot to say (laughs) so let me say it (laughs) um one of the changes of the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius is that supposedly we go from the outer teacher to the inner teacher. Mm-hmm. So the outer teacher is the spiritual leaders of the last 2000 years or who would be considered the spiritual mm-hmm. leaders in the new age, you know, different, different people. Um, and we go from that and gurus, you know, all the gurus mm-hmm. the, from India Go from that to the inner teacher. So we have our own inner teacher. Mm. And so there isn't somebody representative of the avatar for the age of Aquarius because it's, it's us ourselves. Mm. It's the inner teacher. Is that like, uh, is that like a Christ consciousness? Yes. Yeah. They, yeah. It might be explained that way. That would be because if you, if you attain the Christ consciousness, then you, you are your own teacher, your your own inner teacher. So I'm so glad you asked that, Rachel, because it came to my mind a couple of times when we were talking, but it wasn't quite the right moment to say it. And I was like, I've got to remember to say that, and then I forgot. <laughs> so your your question was perfect. And, I've uh, just seen that. I've seen that talked about, um, and there seems to be a very big emphasis on self and everything that you need is within you, 
Yeah. And yeah, just very much like your, it's all about your truth and, mm-hmm. you know, you creating your own reality and your own consciousness. Yeah. And yes, the Christ consciousness being something that comes out of you, not even coming from a person. And it's something I've even seen among Christians or even deconstructing uh, evangelicals is that they're moving towards yeah. the, the thought of, I don't need anyone, not even a savior. The only reason Jesus came was to be a kind of example right. of what I can do. And so right. it's very interesting to see yeah, yeah. how everything becomes very self-centered. Very self-oriented. Yeah. Now, having said all that, I will say there's a couple of ideas out there that... Um, uh, for example, Theosophy had this, uh, said there was a, a, a big world teacher, and they had a guy that they were trying to promote as this world teacher, and he decided he didn't want to be the world teacher. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of fell and went away, and he, he made them very, very angry. <laughs> it's, I'll tell you the book you get that tells the most wonderful stories about the Theosophical Society. It's called Madame Blavatsky's Baboon. <laughs> and it's by, by a journalist um, whose name has just completely gone out of my head. Peter Washington. I can't think of his name. Peter yes, Washington. Thank yeah. Peter Washington. He's a journalist. It is one of the most entertaining books I've ever read. I guarantee you, once you start reading it, you won't be able to put it down. But he tells all the inside stories, the infightings, the little conflicts, the little um, the little personality, uh, you know, tantrums that they would <laughs> have, and it's just. It's so interesting. It goes through all the major people, including a lot of people who were followers of, of theosophy. And so that he talks a bits in there. That's where I got that that from. And so he just left. He didn't want to be the world teacher. Now I understand that that Islam has some kind of prophecy about somebody coming. Um, it, it sounds almost like something from Revelation, somebody yeah. coming on a horse or something. I don't know very much about it. And then there's a an idea um, the Mormons have that uh, the country will get in trouble. Of course, the United States is like, they think is like, you know, the Holy New, Land. New, New Israel, yeah. And there'll be some kind of, uh, yeah, there'll be some kind of crises, and then a Mormon will take over. And lead everybody, you know, to peace and safety or whatever. So those ideas are not really New Age, but they're kind of out there where there are other people that are being looked to. But in the New Age, the Age of Aquarius is supposed to be the inner, hmm. the inner teacher. So good question, well, Rachel. I just see the the Muslims and the Mormons getting set up for the Antichrist. <laughs> that's all I see. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's going to lead to a lot of deception. Those those ideas. Except he's probably but, not um, going to be Mormon. <laughs> I'll just go on the record and say yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, this has been awesome, Marsha. We really appreciate every time you come on. It's always so much fun. And I'm just always, well, I'm always just like blown away. Like you sit there and you just start cool and it just comes out of you. And uh, it's yeah. always just so, it's like, uh, I'm a little bit jealous because like I, I can't remember. I can't remember the sandwich I had for lunch, much less like details about astrology. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I can remember all this stuff connected to my ministry, but I couldn't tell you what I ate yesterday either. <laughs> I mean, my short-term memory is absolutely horrible. And I, you know, where I was last Thursday, you know, I have to really think about it and look at my yeah. phone on my calendar. 
you know, but for some reason, all this stuff, maybe because I was involved for so many years, and then I have been doing the ministry in the area, and I've gone over, over and over a lot of it several, several times. Yeah. You know, either writing about it or talking about it, it just kind of embedded in my brain. Mm-hmm. And so once you open the door, whew, I'm like, hard to get me to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad yeah. <laughs> because it makes for it makes for a tremendous amount of great information that's very helpful. Yes. And uh, so I just want to encourage our listeners again to go check out her website. It's Christian Answers for the New Age. We'll put the links in our show notes. And uh, check her out on Facebook as well, um, if you if you're hanging out in Facebook, and that seems to be a place where you can really interact with Marsha more personally. And um, and Marsha, we'll, we'll you know um, you're all you like I always say you have an open door here. If there's something that y- you feel like you want to share with us ever, just you know you know how to get in touch with me. Just uh, let us okay. know. You're always are welcome. All right. You. Yeah, and Thank you. yeah, and I just appreciate your work back in 2014, disrupting the Enneagram before it ever uh, <laughs> got a hold, and and you're just still disrupting, which is great. We want we want that to be disrupted. <laughs> my first article on the Enneagram actually was on my website was in 2011. Wow! Wow! Yeah, it's you... when I saw the Enneagram in the Progressive Church. Yeah, yeah. and they were doing seminars and because Rob Bell and Brian McLaren they had all embraced Richard Rohr mm-hmm. and he had that book on the Enneagram I think that's how it happened and all of a sudden at their conferences they were having somebody speak on the Enneagram and I thought okay this is a little I don't quite see this getting into the evangelical church but it's a little too close for comfort mm-hmm. I think people need to know about it if these guys are talking about it so I wrote my article in 2011 mm-hmm. my website got the date on there 2011 wow, that's awesome <laughs> well there's your proof yeah. you're a prophet you don't even realize it <laughs> yeah <laughs> no. well thanks so much for having me on guys I enjoyed I, I enjoyed the questions from everybody and um, yeah. uh, I, it's nice that you have a young a young partner here you've got somebody quite younger than you two guys <laughs> no offense <laughs> and much prettier than both of us right right yeah <laughs> Well, it's funny because we represent basically Rachel's in the twenties. I think Rose, you just turned thirty, right? Are you thirty one? You turned thirty one and then yeah. I'm I I leap from the forties and I just turned fifty. So <laughs> Oh my god, each generation. Yeah. And I'm not gonna tell you I'm not gonna tell you my decade. But well, um it's above it's definitely above Rosie's. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie, you're still young. So you know, you're yeah. you're good. You're yeah. Young. I, I'm not young. And your generation Z. Yeah. Right, right. Your generation. Z. I'm actually. I'm about to be 29 this year. Oh, oh are no. you generation Y? I've I, I've forgotten the dates for all of those generations. The generation Y. I think either that or I don't know if I'm a millennial. I'm like that mo- weird. Yeah. I'm like in that weird little like because I'm 92, so it's kind of like that weird little gap. I don't know. Yeah. I, I relate more with Generation Y than millennials. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, really? You you relate to that more? You're kind yeah. of a, you're kind of an Aquarian generational person. You're in transition. <laughs> yeah, because I know Generation Z actually the oldest of them. I think it's not. They're only like 22 or 23, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So the oldest yeah. Generation Z, and then I know Generation. I know millennials started around 1981. And went up to 2000, I think. Okay. I yeah. think. 
Yeah. 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 So that is Generation Y. So that's kind of more or less. Yeah. yeah I might be off too. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, so Rosie, you're in, you're a millennial. I am, sadly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 1990. Right. Okay. Right at the beginning. Okay. Mm. What's the well, one? Well, I'm a baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> well, I was going to say it's weird for me. I don't feel. I grew up most of my childhood overseas, so I wasn't even. I did too. Yeah, I did too. (laughs) Well, so yeah, I was like totally disconnected from anything that um, they they call us third culture kids because I came back to America and they're like, "Hey, uh, like, do you know about this?" I'm like, "I have no clue what you're talking about." (laughs) Like, how do you not know about this? I'm like, I don't know, because I was living in a third world country and like we didn't have anything like that. And then, you know, I'd pull up my cell phone. I'm like, oh, did you have a cell phone? And they're like, we don't have cell phones. Like, I've had one since I was eight. They're like, yeah, I guess it kind of sucks. It was just like a very, it's just totally different. And it wasn't. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, I spent most of my, um, not in a third world country, but most of my childhood overseas because of my father being a foreign service officer. Right, right. So, yeah, when I came back here and went into the schools, I could not relate to anybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, so different. It was like, it was like being in another world, you know, and I just could not, I could not relate at all. It was very hard. I Mm. I never did do all that great in school. I don't think I ever did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I got in college, it got a little better, you know, but, because that was so different, but. Yeah. uh, But that's why I feel like so disconnected from like, as a millennial, because, it's like, oh, do you remember the 90s? Well, I remember my weird version of the 90s, which was not what the 90s of <laughs> all the millennials. Like, I, you, didn't go through, you didn't go through all like the music and everything that everybody was listening to. and Well, that, the- we got everything about a year later, and it was like a bootlegged, ripped off version. Uh, <laughs> and my, I remember, <laughs> this has nothing to do with it, my dad would come back, he would do these like a TDY, he'd come back and go like to Western Europe or back to America. And then he would come back and it was maybe once a year and he would just bring, he ran to like whatever, like ask people at work, Hey, what are your kids into? And then he would just pick up like, Oh, I don't know if you'll like this, but he would just come back with like a, a bunch box of, of stuff. <laughs> books. And he's like, these are what the kids apparently are into. You should probably do this. So you, you don't get like, you're not weird when we move back in a couple of years or something. So it was. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I know. I know. I have a good friend who's, who, who grew up, um, he was, parents were missionaries <laughs> and they were, they were in, in France, but I mean, the culture there is really different from the United States. Yeah. And he said they, he came back when they came back to this country, he was in high school and he said, you know, it was kind of blew him away. You know, he said he'd meet these guys with a, crazy hair and they'd be like hey you want a party man <laughs> like what are you talking about I mean, right. like, it was, everything was like the way he tells it is very funny but he was like you know he was just totally like it was another language you know mm-hmm. and he couldn't it, it just was so different the culture was so different so that's kind of what you're saying it's yeah really well it was funny somewhat. so I, I did uh we moved back to uh, uh north dc area i'll say that um same area and it's even though it's like a very transient area it's not an international transient area so like people it 
I don't know, but I came back and prior to doing high school, I, I came back my sophomore year. We had been living in Germany prior to that. And so when oh, I came I was, in, what's that? Yeah, sorry. I lived in Germany. We lived in Berlin. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, so I, w I showed up and everyone was like, uh, they're like, oh, this is the new kid from Germany. And I'm like, well, I just lived there for a couple of years. I'm not German. And they're like, well, you speak really good English. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm American. <laughs> and they're like, well, you said you were from Germany. And I'm like, yeah, we just lived there for four years. Like, Americans can do that. Well, they're like, do you speak German? I'm like, well, yeah. And they're like, yeah, man, I don't understand it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because I'm American. We spoke English at my house. I hung out with American friends. And they just could not comprehend it. I know. It's so funny. Oh, <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, Marsha, thanks again for... Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm sorry if I kind of... I got... I kind of pushed back a little bit there on the... When you were getting into the... Um, some point there about the social things, and I said, I don't really want to comment on the social issues. Not a problem. Turner's just a jerk. <laughs> I'm a jerk. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> it just... I felt like it was getting away from, from yeah. what, what I really wanted yeah. to talk about, and I... Also, I'm very, because of my ministry, mm -hmm. I try not to make any kind of statements about, you know, like gay people, if I can help it, because I want to be, I want them to feel comfortable talking to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't try, I don't hide my views, but I try not to make that a topic of conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's not really related to the New Age, so it's, it's um, you know... It's, it's, I, so I generally stay away from it. No problem. <laughs> so no, you don't have to explain anything. No, you're okay. fine. No worries. No worries. Right. Yeah. Thank you. It's all good. Well, thanks again for coming yeah. on, and we'll, you know, we'll have you back on again when we, uh, we'll think of something really fun to talk about. <laughs> it won't be social okay. issues at all. It'll be, uh, <laughs> it'll be something else fun. But. Uh, and, oh, I'm sure. You know, I could come on and just talk about Richard Rohr. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know. We, some people need to know about him, so maybe that's a good topic we could bring you on about. So I mean, really, because I, I have been reading stuff and listening to this man talk since 2013, mm -hmm. yeah. and I really, I feel like I, I really know. I feel like I know him. That's how I feel. <laughs> I feel like I know. I know the man. I know his views. Yeah. And um, you know this. I just, um, he is getting more influential. Mm. So, you know, yeah. a lot of people really don't realize what he believes. They just think he's a Franciscan friar, so he's a Christian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what they think. Yep. It's sad. It's okay. sad. But, well, well, thanks so that's so much. my idea. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank I you know. again for having me. Thanks. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks for what you do. So good to um, get to meet you finally. Okay. I wasn't around for the the past thing, but yeah, really good to meet yeah, you. Yeah, I know. I'm glad to meet you. If you have any questions about how to talk to that um, young lady about war, just con just get my email from um, um, Turner, and I'll be happy to give you some ideas or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. I'm gonna hit my little X here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>